This is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 28. With everything going on out there, I vacillated today about what to talk about. And honestly, it's difficult, excuse my rooster, to not talk about the evident. However, I think we're talking about it enough. I think it's everywhere, all the discussion, all the news, all of the warnings. And so at this point, hopefully, some of you are already kind of steadied up and prepared. And obviously, my rooster is not fond of anything going on right now. Let's see. What's going on around here? Um, I don't have chickens in the house anymore, y'all. Nope, nope, nope. They're all outside and they're doing great. And so for the very first time, I'm in my podcast room without chicken dander all up in my eyes. And we're starting all of our babies for the hothouse, which is a big deal. And we're excited about that. My precious second son, Lynn, has finished up a nursery for my baby plants. And if you're hearing my voice right now and thinking to yourself, I thought you'd not be sick anymore. Let me just say right now. Me too. (laughs) Shit. This thing is working on its fourth week. I don't know what I have, but isn't it normal? And then there's one other thing I'm not at liberty to say yet. And so I'm holding back. But in the midst of all this trauma and worry and folks out there stealing all the toilet paper... I found out something absolutely wonderful. Not at liberty yet, so I've got to wait. But let's just say that I am um, suddenly very hopeful about a lot of things and need to stay alive because the future looks bright. But today we have all of the chickens out of the house and I've got my second son, Lynn, out here. And he's finished up a nursery for my baby plants. And my husband is tilling the high tunnel. Because apparently if you don't put anything down over the winter, you can end up with your own private little woods. Mm Mm-hmm. So we have that. And we even found wildlife overwintering in there. Isn't that fun? I think it actually is fun. Except for the snake we found. That was a little not fun. So I love snakes. I really do think we need snakes. I don't think it's cool for us to run off rat snakes and the like. It's just not a good idea. They even keep some of the more venomous snakes away. You know, they live here too. But I'm just not crazy about stepping on one. <laughs> so, And I've seeded a lot of things. I don't know where y'all are living or what your weather is like. It very well could not hold this gorgeous weather we have. But it does look like for at least two weeks, we're in the 70s and even an 80s or two with nighttime lows that don't get under 50. So I don't know if I get to the end of March and I still don't see a freeze in the next two weeks, I'm going to go full tilt boogie. 
So this morning we seeded Cherokee purple tomatoes. Y'all remember I said that, you know, I'm a Southern woman and I don't make the rules. I'm supposed to grow this. So I'm just not going to grow a field of them this year. Just a few for me. And this neat light green zucchini, I wanted to try that out. And a yellow zucchini and all of my peppers. Well, I mean, you never know about the peppers in me, y'all. I may get out there and do another 100. But we have them seeded. We have them in the little nursery. I've got something else. I think it's pronounced. I'm probably going to mess it up. Uh, Galanga or Galanja. But I've got a couple of friends from Taiwan, and they asked me if I wouldn't consider growing some of this, and it's very special. It kind of tastes like ginger, but just a little bit more fruity. And so we have that. Anyway, I don't want to bore y'all to death. You get the idea. I was out there today, and the sun was so bright, and all the little baby chickens in their new little habitat just making little chicken sounds. I got one guy out here mowing and another guy out here tilling, and it almost made me forget the uh, situation at hand with this virus. But if y'all remember, I said that it was really important to me and my family to 100% prepare as much as possible, just within our financial limit, within our intellectual limit, whatever, prepare all avenues for safety. And then, with safeguards in place, go back to living. And you know, this whole social distancing thing is not very hard on me. I don't know if anyone knows out there that doesn't know me personally, but I'm an agoraphobe. I was an agoraphobe when I was about 12 years old. Something had happened that threw me into that kind of a crisis, and I wouldn't leave my house. It was summer, and all the little kids would come up to the sliding glass window and try to get me to come out and go swimming and play, and the very idea of them even being at the door would panic me. I would hide. I don't remember it coming back again until about 2014, and something else traumatic happened to me. Well, it wasn't like I didn't experience trauma in between, but really big trauma. And um, it started creeping its head up again. Here it was. Always started with me not wanting to go to the mailbox at the end of my driveway. I'd get a panic attack. Then it started to associate itself with the backyard. And that meant I couldn't go out there to see my chickens. And if I let it get out of hand, it can get pretty rough. It's pretty much become a lifestyle that I don't leave my land. It's become my whole world. I work from home. I just have a little oasis here, and this is all I need. But that's not altogether true. There's a place in Georgia. There's a little island off the the coast of Georgia that has always been my happy place. This place literally calls to me, and if I had my druthers, I'd be there three, four times a year. I found it when my kids were little, and I was still going to college, and I was single. And we made it very much a family tradition. I remember the world just beating me up and getting down there and running to those beautiful live oaks that were just a hop, skip, and a jump away from the water. Gorgeous ocean. And literally wanting to hit my knees and just cry. I was so happy I was home. That place would heal me 
heal me right up. And then I could go back to doing what I was doing, going to school and that kind of thing. And I say all this because it occurred to me this morning when my second son, who showed up to help me do so much work today, said, have you got a topic yet for today's podcast? And I said, no, can't think of one. I'm still under the weather and I'm kind of weak and I couldn't really think of anything. And he said, how about do daily rituals? Now, I don't know what he was talking about because then he went on to work in the yard. But it started me thinking, what were my daily rituals before I became agoraphobic? Well, I've always needed to get up and have my coffee and be left the hell alone. Always, which was really hard raising three babies by myself. But if I could get to that 30 minutes, that precious 30 minutes, and read a magazine or something and have that coffee, I could handle the world. It was very much of a steadying up for the day. And at night, I would get a glass of wine after my kids were in bed, and I would go sit out back, especially if it was nice, and I would call one of my girlfriends or one of my family. And I would have this time, and to me it was luxury. But it occurred to me when Linwood said, how about daily rituals, that I might have overlooked something over here. Because when everything becomes a daily ritual, it can slip and become work. And I think it's done that. So I'm sitting here kind of stunned. For instance, in the spring and in the summer, one of my favorite things to do, I mean, it really is one of my favorite things to do, is to get my cup of coffee and walk out there with the birds just singing and butterflies everywhere, y'all. It is really pretty here. And check all my babies that are growing, you know. See if seedlings are up. Go see if the peach tree has baby peaches on it yet. See if the echinacea bed needs weeding, you know, just holding my coffee and going about like that. And when I've got some vegetables coming in, I usually have my breakfast out in the yard, <laughs> meaning that I will go eat all the sugar snap peas. I don't think my family's ever had one. I, they just can't make it in the house. Or carrots if I'm pulling them, lemon balm, tomatoes when they start getting ripe. And I just walk around and have my breakfast with the birds and the bees. But what would happen is it would lean into me working. Before I knew it, my coffee cup was sitting somewhere and I was on my hands and knees pulling weeds and tending to things and pruning and it'd be noon and I'd be exhausted and haven't even really gotten to work for the day yet. So you see, everything kind of started to bleed together all the way across. And I don't think I have a daily ritual that would refresh me and steady me up for the day or one that would kind of relax me and let me prepare for sleep for the night. I don't think I have them anymore. I think it's just all some form of work. And I do enjoy work, but I don't know if I'm making any sense. There's just no demarcation anymore between the work and the meditation, and that kind of rest of spirit. Now, in doing a little work on the word ritual, and we all kind of get what the definition is, 
I found the most pertinent description of what their purpose is on psychology today. And they have an article called 10 Ways Rituals Help Us Celebrate Our Lives. And I was just riveted by one of the things they said. So here it is. Rituals serve as a bridge between our outer and inner worlds, between the profane and the sacred, and between the ordinary and the extraordinary. Isn't that cool? But when one is already a gardener and a farmer, and all of it is so sacred and so beautiful, how do we find that? No, how do we create some sort of bridge that lets us get even deeper into the sacred and even deeper into that inner place where we can heal and prepare for something? Even may it just be the day. Well, I tell y'all right now, I cannot walk around with my cup of coffee and then not stop to weed something if I see it need to be done. That's just the way I operate. So today I made a decision, and it means a little extra work, but it's going to be just for me and just for ritual space for me. I'm going to take a very small plot of a garden that's very close to my front door. And just there in that very small plot, I'm going to put stones around a circle. A circle big enough for a couple of chairs and maybe a small itty bitty table. And inside of that, I'm going to plant something that I love the most. Most of the time when I'm out here growing things, I grow them only for medicinal uses or eating purposes But I think there's something to be said for just beauty, a place for you to rest. And so I'm going to do that. I'm not going to just guess at it right now, but I'm going to spend some quality time with me planning and plotting my tiny little morning ritual garden just for me. And I suppose if you don't have a garden, it could just be a particular plant that you've always loved and that you are pretty sure you could care for and put it close to a place you could have your morning tea or some such. And it be in some way that bridge between our everyday lives and something that's a little deeper and something that we need to connect with before the world beats the living shit out of us every day. Don't y'all think so? Mm Mm-hmm. Y'all know, I think it's even important to teach children to do this kind of thing. I mean, I think it may be even more important to teach children. I remember when we were living in the city limits, and I didn't have any space to grow carrots and tomatoes and such. And there were all kinds of rules about what you could have outside and what you couldn't have outside. I found an old whiskey barrel and put it in front of a privet hedge, And y'all know those waterfall effects you can do. So you just take another clay pot and put it on top of the soil in the whiskey barrel. And you keep on going up. And then you do something around the base of the whiskey barrel. And we did cheaper things. I think we did marigolds all at the bottom. And I can't remember everything. I know we did some zinnias. I might have had some daisies up in there. And my children got to pick out the ones they wanted. And then I put one of those freestanding swings out there right next to it. 
And when the kids would get home from school, they always had something they had to tell me. And we would just sit right there and swing and look at those flowers. I don't know if they remember them. But it was just a small space. And it was the ritual space for us to say, the day of work is over. Let's be a family. And I think in a whole lot of ways, a ritual space like that can keep us grounded. You know, I'm always asking my students, how's your altar going? Seems like a silly question, doesn't it? But to me, an altar tends to be something in flux and always in use. And how's it going? You know, us witches, we don't go to church. Well, not many of us do, anyhow. <laughs> but most of us, we, we have to have our own kind of church. And I've told them it's important even just to light a white candle just once a day and sit and meditate five minutes and remember who you are, what magic is, what you have to give the world, and really zone in on that sacred thread of life before having to go out there and deal with Walmart and flat tire and all the bullshit that we have to go through. I do not believe in saving my altar for a special day. Damn. That altar is part of my daily ritual. If rituals are truly passages, bridges from the mundane to the sacred, then I think that creating spaces that represent those bridges is critical. Whether it be a place by a window, whether it be a space at work outside. I remember when I was working over at a big state school here in Alabama and they had a little space downstairs, like a little almost uh, not really a quad, but a downstairs space that was slightly interior. And in that space, they had lots of concrete benches and they had trees that they put into the planters. And I like to go sit underneath one of those trees even just for a few minutes with my coffee. And it became a ritual, a place for me to go remember who I am, what I'm doing, why it's important, and tap into something that's a little bit bigger than Moby Dick. And that's what I did. I think we can find those bridges, but I think sometimes we also need to create them when they're not easily accessible. So we know what the purpose of a ritual is. It's that bridge or that passageway. Well, have y'all ever just sat down and written down your own personal rituals? Just recorded them, looked to see if those things change or morph over time. I mean, my family has rituals. We get together once a week and the boys bring their friends or their girlfriends and we laugh and we talk, but we always, as long as it's not too cold, end up on the front porch. And that time is most assuredly becoming this bridge for us to remember that we are a family. No matter what separates us during the week, that once we break bread together and sit on that front porch together and laugh and tell old stories about when the kids were little or joke with each other, that kind of time spent together transports us to a more sacred place as a family, if that makes any sense at all. 
I'm going to sit down and look at what my rituals actually are because sometimes, as I've said at the beginning of this, our rituals can end up being work. And I think the second they become work, that they have become dogma. And y'all damn straight know how I feel about dogma, don't you? Okay. So I'm going to do it. I challenge anybody else to think about it. There are big rituals and high holidays and then there are little tiny ones. I've got a real stupid one that I've tried to break myself of. Well, it's not so much a ritual as it is a habit, but it's become almost ritualized. And that is running water while I brush my teeth. And I have fought myself on that for years, but it used to soothe me. Running water always does, and it's not good for the environment. So I'm trying to replace that with something else. But let's be more reflective about what these things are. I know it doesn't sound very organic to say that, but I would hate for y'all to have your favorite ritual completely ruined by work and drudgery, almost to the point of being zombied on out. That does seem to be the risk of not being aware of what your daily rituals are. You know, my grandma had a ritual, a daily one, and it had to do with watching the sunset every night. If it were a warm day, we would do it on the front porch. Always had to have a glass of sweet tea. Always had to have her feet bare where she could kick her little cute toes. And we would go sit there and watch the sunset and reflect on life and reflect on things and reflect on what we might have gotten done that day. And if it were cold, we'd do it inside the house looking out over the porch in her favorite rocker, and I would just snuggle there by the window. There was something so mindful about it, and also so peaceful about it. And she was always so grateful for another sunset. And just recently, I've gotten into the habit, I need, personally, radical self-love. Radical self-love. In my last blog post, I think I did two weeks ago, over there on southernfriedwitch.com, I talked about how radical love really requires radical forgiveness. And again, I'm not talking about in abusive situations. I mean, to love that way, with that kind of abandon, is going to cost you something. But right after I wrote that, it started to occur to me that... I needed to practice radical self-love. That I'm getting too old to fuck around. I'm getting too old to wait for my mama to tell me I'm a good girl. I'm getting too old to get my validation from my job or my friends or even y'all. I don't want to run out of time, so I'm doing it for myself. And believe me, it's hard. It's like pushing through, oh, I don't know, 54 years of red clay mud. But in the morning, I've got this little coconut scrub that I use for my face. And it smells so good. Scents really take me and transport me. And I practice lately as I'm doing those little circles on my fat cheeks, telling myself how much I love myself. And trying to push that love through my fingertips, into my skin, into my flesh. And 
I used to just dread washing my face and putting on my makeup and that kind of thing. Y'all haven't done this for a couple of weeks. This little tiny ritual has made me feel so much better about myself. I don't know. Maybe it's the coconut scrub. (laughs) Maybe it's Clairol. Or maybe it's the love coming out of my own fingers. Well, there's Stanley, and it's getting late, so I won't go too much longer. I am going to try to do more uh, this week in the way of a blog post. I haven't heard from y'all in a long time, and I do need to announce the winner of the Animal Spirit Contest. If you would like to still be included, I've decided to extend it all the way to the end of March. And what we're looking for here are stories about animals where that animal was able to shift your perception. (laughs) He has a lot to say about this contest of whether or not they have a spirit, whether or not they're sentient, a magical moment with an animal. So we have all the way to the end of this month. Get me in those emails. Tell me your stories. I'm going to read your stories. Um, But I'm going to pick one person who really touched me, and they're going to get a basket of goodies from my farm, so. All right, here in week four of whatever plague has hit me, and yes, I have wondered. I'm not a complete fool about it. I'm going to give myself some rest. I'm going to give myself some time. I hope y'all will hang out there with me. I see I lost a few followers this last week, and I hope it wasn't anything I said. Love y'all. Or I hope it wasn't my lack of attention lately to the podcast. I do care very much and I'm trying very hard. And spring is here and we're going to do a lot of cool stuff together. But I understand if you want to go. All right, right into me. Don't forget to do something cool in a daily ritual. And for crying out loud, y'all. If your grandma's living, call her. Times are hard. They've got the best wisdom. Blessed be y'all. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.